you got your Bibles, Revelation chapter number 14. Um, Revelation chapter number 14. <clears throat> there is a ringing or a dinging somewhere that I hope will not mess up the recording tonight. Will it mess up the recording? Amen. Well... So we'll just, everybody all right right now? Listen, if the devil's going to work, he's going to work through sound equipment. That's the truth. And we certainly, um, in series, there's been a lot of people, not just compliment, but there's been a lot of people reach out about this series. And so we certainly don't want to mess up the, I, listen, I love listening to series online. I listen to series, I've listened through the book of Matthew, I've listened through the book, all kinds of books throughout the Bible series online and uh, one of the most aggravating thing about series is that when you get into one and you're so in depth in it and then they skip like 10 verses because they don't post that message online that makes me madder than a hornet and so I don't want to be that preacher amen I think we got it fixed I praise the Lord for that and so Revelation chapter 14 could you stand we'll read read the Scripture, and we'll reverence the reading of the Word. This will be the 33rd uh, message in the book, uh, in our series entitled The Revelation. And so uh, we'll begin to read in Revelation. We've done, went through uh, the first part of Revelation. We'll begin to read there in Revelation chapter number 14 and verse number 14. Now notice clearly, okay, what the Bible says. And we need to take the Bible in context here. We must not miss this at all. Okay, we must not miss this. So Revelation chapter number 14, verse number 14, the Bible says, And I looked. What is he looking at? Well, the Bible's about to tell us what he's looking at. But there's an and there. What is that called? A conjunction. What does that mean? It's a continuance. Of what? Prior. We're getting context, right? So what was prior? I just preached on the remnant that stayed right. Everybody remembers that. The remnant that stayed right. So he's looking and he's seeing something and it's a continuation from the last prior two verses. Because from verse 11 to verse 12 there is a change of context. It goes from hellish things to heavenly things. And then it speaks and there's a continuance from verse 12 to verse 13, verse 14. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commands of God and the faith of Jesus. And it goes on through and gives us, so this is a saint look right here. Okay? And I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud, one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle. And reap, for the time is come for the, thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was ripe. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar which had a power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle saying thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth there's the harvest of the earth it moves from a field to a vineyard there's a difference and the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great wine press of the wrath of God and the wrath of and the wine press was trodden without the city and outside the city and blood came out of the wine press even unto the horses bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs so we see the continuance from verse 12 to verse 13 to verse 14 and so on and so on 
And so, but we have to understand that there is a separation. And so we're going to get to that in a minute. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Lord, we love you. We ask you, dear God, in the name of Jesus, to please help us through this. We need your help. I need your help. Help me to give me wisdom, discernment. And Lord, have me say whatever you would like me to. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And what we see, what we are looking at this evening... We're looking at, uh, we're seeing uh, what we have already seen looking through a telescope. And now we're looking at it through a microscope. Remember, so, so we're looking at something that we've already technically seen some part of. Anybody remember the last part of chapter 11? Because the last part of chapter 11 ended at the valley. I mean, ended at, ended at Armageddon. And so, so now we're in chapter 14 and it's talking about the, the battle of, the Arm, of Armageddon again. And so um, more, there's more characters, there's a clearer picture of the days of tribulation. Uh, and from the beginning of chapter 12 until now, things have repl- been replayed, uh, if you will, to us through a clearer perspective. Uh, and so really, unlike anything that we've ever seen, it's some deep stuff, wouldn't you say? Did anybody just, I mean, up on reading, you're not just going to understand exactly what this is talking about. And the brutality and the, the bloodshed we have seen is unlike anything this world has ever seen. And so now we come to what is the end, the end of the tribulation practically. And so we know that the Bible, on the, read the book of Revelation, is not in chronological order. Order, and we understand that. Uh, I believe personally that chapter 4 through about chapter 11 is in chronological order and then from that point on it just kind of uh, tangles up all over the place. Uh, and so well, we understand that there is uh, um, a chrono- chronological order to what we've been going through from chapter 12 into now. But we understand that there are some things that are not added that will be added later and so on Everybody with me there makes sense to you. And so, but we've seen some serious things, uh, and we have arrived now once again at the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, and however, unlike the end of chapter 11, this is a very clear uh, um, perspective and picture of what will take place that day. Uh, um, to say the least, this text is one uh, um, that we must tread very carefully upon uh, and to make sure we get context with. Amen. Uh, so with me, with the Lord tonight, I'm going to bring you this thought. Uh, Armageddon in view. Armageddon. Put Armageddon is in view. Armageddon is in view. I want you to notice three things. Uh, the last thing is what we're going to stick with for a little while. But I want you to notice, number one, that there is the reaper that is on the cloud. There's the reaper that is on the cloud. Who is this reaper? Who is this person uh, um, that is setting upon the cloud? Uh, um, well, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, we can't say perfectly, but I, I'll give you some descriptions. I, I know who this reaper is. Somebody say amen. I know him personally. Amen. amen. But, but let me just say this. We see the Christ. In this reaper. We see the Christ. Now, the Bible says, And I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one set like unto the Son of Man. Like unto the Son of Man. We could use so many scriptural applications, and we're going to, uh, um, but the Bible says in the book of Acts, in chapter number 1, I want you to notice context of this verse. Uh, In verse number 1, I mean chapter number 1, verse number, uh, um, let's go down to verse number Uh, 8, I think. Uh, Verse number 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up... uh, And a cloud received him out of their sight. So he's on a cloud. Who is this? It's Jesus. He just talked. I mean, it's in red letters, the verse before. And so he's he's leaving on a cloud. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up unto you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. That's not talking about the rapture of the church. Uh, um, That's talking about when He comes back at the second advent. Uh, This is Jesus Christ. uh, And He said it's to be like 
the son, like unto uh, um, the Son of Man. Uh, Revelation chapter number 1 uh, and verse number 13. Uh, notice what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse 13... Uh, Excuse me. The Bible says, And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one uh, like unto uh, the Son of Man, uh, clothed with a garment down to the foot and a gird about the paps with the golden girdles. Uh, and so there He is. That's Jesus. And we know that it is. Uh, and I believe the Bible gives us good indication as to who this is uh, and what He is doing we got to use Old Testament prophecy to understand Scripture, right? we got to use that. And so uh, if we look over there in the book, I wish I'd have wrote all these verses down just to keep me a little bit of time, um, but uh, it'd be all right. got plenty of time tonight, right? Um, uh, it's better than sitting at home and, and, and watching TV. Um, Daniel chapter number, um, Daniel, where's, anybody know where the book of Daniel is? Uh, Daniel chapter number uh, 7 uh, and verse number 13. The Bible says, uh, uh, I saw in the night visions. Uh, and behold, one like uh, the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven uh, and came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. Uh, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nation, tongues, uh, and langu- nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion uh, which shall not pass away in his kingdom that w- which uh, shall not be destroyed. Now you tell me what you think the context of those verses are the kingdom it's talking about the kingdom the father is giving Jesus the kingdom in those verses Uh, you'll find in the four gospels the 84 times uh, Jesus refers to himself uh, as the son of man Uh, it is the human title of him Uh, that's just what he says Uh, uh, he is a son of a man not a literal man uh, but he's a son of God and he's also man Uh, John saw him in person uh, and he said this is who it is. Uh, He is the Son of Man. He's likened to the Son of and I tell you, when, when John sees the Son of Man in the clouds, uh, he's seeing the one who came to this earth. Uh, he's seeing the one who gave his life as a ransom for many. Uh, and John is seeing Jesus Christ. Amen. He's seeing Jesus. Uh, we got another reference verse over there in Luke uh, in chapter 21 where the Bible says uh, in verse 27, And then shall they see the Son of Man uh, coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Uh, and when these things begin to come to pass, uh, then uh, look up and lift up your heads, uh, for your redemption draweth nigh. Hey friend, he's talking about the Jew there. Uh, their redemption is drawing nigh at that moment. Uh, and there he is, he's coming to get his own. Uh, and some people have a problem with this being Jesus Christ. Uh, um, they say, well, this can't be Jesus Christ. Uh, um, because verse 15 says that another angel came uh, and that other angel commanded him to do what he was supposed to be doing uh, to thrust it into the earth. Uh, Listen, I cannot say this to be a 100% fact uh, but I will tell you this. uh, uh, I don't know who it is but the only one according to Scripture according to Matthew 24 and verse 36 the only one that knows when Jesus is going to come back uh, at the second advent and thrust in the sickle uh, and what time it is to reap uh, um, the field of the earth is God the Father uh, and there ain't no other angel in heaven that's going to be able to tell Jesus uh, not even the Son uh, knows about that day uh, but God the Father knows uh, when it's time to reap uh, the field of this world and I'm telling you something uh, I'm not and even the greatest theologians uh, don't know when Jesus will, will, will come back at a second advent um, the Father knows when it's time to reap. Amen. We'll see more than when we see the Christ. We see His crown. Look at verse 14. The Bible says, And upon the one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on His head a golden crown. Uh, he's not wearing a cross. Uh, he's wearing a crown. Uh, he, uh, a well-deserving crown. Uh, he's not. John looks and he's not seeing a lamb. Uh, oh, but he's seeing a lion. Uh, uh, he's not seeing a carpenter's son. Uh, he's seeing a conquering Savior uh, that's coming to this world. Uh, to rule and to reign and to super rule uh, over all the kings of the earth. Uh, He's coming as the King of kings uh, and the Lord of lords. He's not coming to die. He's coming to reign. 
Amen. He sees a crown. We see his crown. We see the Christ. Uh, we see his capability. The Bible says uh, on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. Now he's carrying a sharp sickle. The best I could find uh, on this is a sickle is a tool used to harvest wheat. That's what a sickle is. I believe that gives us some context. Uh, and that's what he is coming to do. And, and to, he's coming to collect and he's coming to cut. Uh, because the, the sickle does both things. Right, and so, so we will see both in a moment. I understand that. But this could be in the next seven years. You think about that. Amen. You think about that. We better, better get our house in order. Somebody say amen. We better get our house in order. We see the reaper on the cloud. Secondly, I want you to notice the reaping of the converted. Now the Bible says... And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him that said on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud uh, thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Now we know that there's a clear separation because the earth is reaped twice. And if the earth is reaped twice, then that means it wasn't reaped the first time. Am I right or am I wrong? I'm just telling you, so I personally believe this is the reaping of the crop of Christ. Uh, Directly before the battle begins, uh, Christ is seen reaping those who have been saved uh, and martyred within the tribulation. They are coming out. uh, And some people believe this to be the rapture. It can't be. You know why? Timing's wrong. Amen. Uh, but, but I tell you, the truth is, is that some people believe that. Some people very close to us believe that. And I, I love them to death, but they can be wrong. Um, but I'm telling you is that he sowed the gospel of grace the first time uh, um, that he came, but this time he's reaping what he sowed. He's reaping what has been sown. Personally, I believe this is, the, um, this is the, the, the description and it gives us a description and a few other verses in the Bible that we'll see as well about what's going to take place. Uh, and so I want you to notice, number one, that separ- uh, separation is displayed within this reaping. There's separation which is displayed within this reaping. Uh, um, the sickle is thrusted uh, into the earth and the earth is reaped. And, and it's neat to see a few things. We notice the word harvest there uh, in verse number um, 15. Uh, it says, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Uh, so we notice that word harvest. Uh, and as the first sickle is put in, uh, it's described as a harvest. The second is not. And so, so, but that's just interesting. But personally, what I believe we're seeing here is this. Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Matthew in chapter number 13, if you could. Matthew in chapter number 13, uh, and uh, I'll read you some scripture. I'm going to put a uh, tag there. Uh, Matthew chapter number 13 in your Bible, and I'm going to read you a few verses there, okay? The Bible says in Matthew 13 uh, and verse number 24, uh, the Bible says, uh, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened. What did that just say? The kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man uh, which sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came uh, and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Uh, but when the blade was blade, the blade was sprung up uh, and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Uh, so the servants of the householder came and said unto him, uh, Sir, didst thou not thou sow good seed in thy field? Uh, from whence then hath it tares? Uh, he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye also while you gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I'll say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my bar. And so here we are, and we know it as the parable of the wheat 
and the tares. We're talking about the separation that's displayed within this reaping. Uh, and so uh, we know the sep- we know this parable as the wheat and the tares, and it's a story of a, a parable of a farmer who uh, sowed a field, uh, expecting a bountiful harvest, but his enemy came, uh, and he sowed tares among the wheat, and the servants uh, wanted to pull up the tares, but the farmer knew uh, and that doing so would destroy the wheat as well, uh, and so his counsel was for both uh, to grow up together uh, and in their time and when the harvest came uh, then the tares could be gathered up and they could be burned uh, and the wheat could be gathered uh, and placed in the farmer's barn. Uh, Also we see in this chapter uh, or the Bible says in verse number 36 uh, the Bible says then said Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came unto him uh, saying declare unto us the parables of the tares uh, of the field. So they're asking Lord we need to hear about these tares a little more. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of who? The son of man. The field is the world and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. Is that not what we just read? As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be the end of this world. And you tell me what the last thing is before the millennium. The battle of Armageddon. It's the battle of Armageddon. That's the last thing that happens. Because they have the millennium and then there's the thousand year reign, right? That is the millennium. Millennium means a thousand. And so from that point, when the battle takes place and all of that happens, the millennium starts. Amen. And so Jesus told his disciples what the parable meant. The good seed represents genuine believers, uh, while the tares represent those which are false. The good seed represents the saved, and the tares represent the lost. Uh, And they look alike, but they're nothing of the same. Uh, And when harvest times comes, they will be told apart. They will. Man, I preached my voice out last night, I'm telling you right now. I preached so hard last night and they preached me to death. But as we read of this, of the foretelling of what was to come for these in verse number 12 and verse number 13 of Revelation, as we went through that last week, the remnant, we see now they're at home. That's what's happening. Jesus will gather the wheat and there will be a separation and it will be right on time. Be right on time. That has nothing to do with us. That has everything to do with Him. But it has something to do with us when it comes to if we're lost or saved. We could be part of the tares. But amen. I'm not part of the wheat. I am part of the wheat. But technically I'm not going to be part of that because I'll be raptured out. But nonetheless, we see that there is the separation that's displayed within the reaping. Secondly, we see the sovereignty that's displayed within the reaping. So the genuine believers will die in the Lord. That's what it says. Back in the book of Revelation, here's the patience of the saints. I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. So they'll die in the Lord, and the Lord will reap them in the same sense. It's amazing, I don't understand it all, but He'll reap them, and not one will be left out. The word right there in our verse where the Bible says the earth is ripe in verse 15. The word right there, it means dry. It means uh, finished. It means uh, um, um, withered. Uh, and so, so, so the Lord has been long-suffering for this long. Amen. The Lord has been long-suffering for this far. Uh, and the course has been carried out. And it's time to judge. It's time to judge. This is the final, according to the book of Isaiah, and chapter number 27, verse number 11, this is the withdrawal of the mercy of God. Right here is the withdrawal of the mercy of God. The Lord is done. He said, time is done, and we're finished. No more will be saved. They've just had the three preachers come through. The Lord, the Lord said, I sent you mercy and the three preachers. 
I sent you mercy in all the tribulation saints. I sent you mercy in the two tribulation witnesses. I sent you mercy in the 144,000 Jewish preachers. I sent you mercy in all those things, and you have rejected me. Now, this is interesting, and it gets real interesting from this point, okay? So I want you to notice the reaper on the cloud, the reaping of the converted, and lastly, it's going to take a little bit, the reaping of the corrupt. The reaping of the corrupt. Look at verse 17. We'll read through the end of the chapter there. And then we're going to turn to the book of Joel in chapter number 3. The Bible says another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. Um, And another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire and cried with a loud... What did it just say that's going to happen to the tares? There's fire. And cried with a loud voice, uh, or a, cry, a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in the sharp sickle and gather the clusters of vine of the earth, uh, for her grapes are fully ripe. Uh, and the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Uh, and the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, uh, even in the horses brought us by a space of, of 1,600 furlongs. Joel, the book of Joel, help me find the book of Joel, um, and we're going to go over there for just a moment, and we'll, we'll kind of go back and forth for a minute, um, but I'm going to have to find the book of Joel first, and so you pray for me, amen, somebody, everybody all right? Amen, the book of Joel is a tough one to find, uh, and uh, I'm thankful uh, for the book of, of Joel, amen, and so the book of Joel, the book of Joel in verse, chapter number 3. Chapter number 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says, For behold, in those days and in that time when I, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. I love reading the Bible. That's why I get loud. and Because, I don't know, it's like you can, it's like you can read the Bible and just preach through it. Like, if you, if you come to a church and all they did was read the Bible, nobody would be here. Like you got to add commentary and you got to do this and that. Everybody with me? I love my Bible. Chapter, chapter 3 verse. And I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. And will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel. Whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. In verse 9 the Bible says. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near, let them come up. Beat your plowshares and the swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong, assemble yourselves and come all ye heathen. Gather yourselves together round about, thither calls thy mighty one to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle. For the harvest is ripe. Is that not giving us context? The harvest is ripe. But come get you down for the press is full. The fats overflow from their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes. Look at what it's noticed. Look at what it's called. In the valley of decision. Did you not just hear what I said up above? God is withdrawing His mercy. They've already made their decision. In the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. So uh, the reaping of the converted has passed. Now those who choose uh, to reject Christ will be reaped. Uh, and you see uh, how those verses fit perfectly with one another. Uh, Revelation 14 and these verses right here fit perfectly with one another. It's amazing how um, some years before Christ even come to this earth, the first time uh, uh, Joel was writing about it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's amazing to me. But I want you to notice two things. Uh, the second one we're going to stay on longer. Number one, I want you to notice the people of uh, this world reaping. We're going to preach out of the book of Revelation on this part and then we'll move to the book of Joel and a little bit on the book of Revelation for the last one. And so the people of this reaping, no longer are we in the field but we're in the vineyard. Right? 
And every word mentions in these verses, it speaks of judgment. It begins there and it says, uh, And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. Sharp sickle. Now I want you to notice uh, the first one said sharp sickle too. But they had two different purposes. One was to bring home. One was to cut off. There's a difference. There's a difference. They were both sharp. The Bible says that they were. They were both sharp. It's time of judgment. And then we can look and see in verse 18. And it says, power of a fire. And thrust in his sharp sickle. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth. And gathered the vine and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath. You see what I'm saying? There, there's pretty much a continuance of what is taking place. This is a time of judgment. You notice how it never talks about judgment from uh, uh, verse 16, 15, and 14? And it never talks about any of that, but, but, but it's sharp from sharp to winepress to, 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 to wrath. Uh, it is a force. It all gives us an idea of a force uh, and which makes a grape uh, a force. You know what makes wine in those days? Force. Force made wine in those days. Is that not what they did? Jump up and down on them? I don't know how they do it now, but I'm sure they got plenty of machines to do it. But, but uh, a crushing, a crushing. It took a crushing to get wine in those days. It still takes a crushing to get wine in these days. And so there's a crushing and a crushing that is about to take place like never before. They have rejected the true vine, as the Bible says in John 15. They've rejected the true vine and they've chosen to go with the counterfeit vine. They've chosen to do that and it matters what vine you are on. All things will be put under His feet at this moment. Let me give you a verse for that. Hebrews chapter number 2 uh, and verse number 5. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 2 and verse 5. Uh, uh, let me turn there. The Bible says, For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak, but one in a certain place testifying, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visiteth him? Uh, thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Uh, um, thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thine hands. Thou hast put all things uh, in, subjective, in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, uh, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all. All things put under him. He's about to, he's having all things put under him right here. All things are put under him. He is fixing to step on them uh, to make blood come out of them. Uh, and I'm telling you, friend, uh, this is he. Uh, and the people will reap, uh, and there will be, I mean, he will reap, uh, and they will be judged for rejecting him. I gotta keep turning to Bible verses because the Bible tell, is the best commentary in the world. And so the Bible says uh, in the book of Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, in chapter number sixty-three, in the book of Isaiah, in chapter number sixty-three. Everybody, all right? Amen. Chapter number sixty-three. The Bible says in verse number one. Uh, the Bible says, "Let me see. Who is this that cometh from Edom, which dyed garments from Borza? This is the glorious in his apparel, uh, traveling in the greatness of his strength." I think. I that speak in righteousness mighty to save. Uh, wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him uh, that treadeth in the wine fed. I have trodden the wine press of lawn. Uh, you hear this conversation back and forth. Uh, he said uh, I that speak in righteousness mighty to save. Uh, and then it goes back and says wherefore art thou right, right, red in thine apparel uh, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fed. And then God answers back and he said I have trodden the wine press alone and of the people there was none with me for I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments and I will stain all my raiment for the day of vengeance is 
is in my heart uh, and the year of my redeemed is come and I looked uh, and I looked so it switches and I looked uh, and there was none to help and I wondered that there was none to uphold therefore uh, mine own arm brought salvation unto me and my fury upheld me and I will tread down the people in mine anger and make them drunk in my fury and I will bring down their strength to the earth. Being drunk with his fury means to be overwhelmed with it. means to be, um, what's the word when you're under the influence of it? They're going to be completely reeked with it, covered with it. And so here we are. It gives us a clear description of what will take place in that day. Amen. In verse 18, fire is mentioned. I mean... There will, that's amazing. This tells us that, that within this reaping, there will be nothing of value that will be taken out of this. Of this reaping, there will be nothing of value. It'll all be burned. Nothing of value will come out of it. You can read it back over in Matthew 13, uh, um, verse 40 and 40 through 42 and 49 and 50. There it is. And so you better be ready to meet the Lord. You do not want to be part of this reaping. The people of this reaping is where we're going to sit for a few moments. I want you to notice the place of this reaping. The place of this reaping. We'll finish here. In these verses we can see the words the valley of. In the book of Joel in chapter number 3 the Bible says, And I will also gather all nations will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. I think it's verse number... Um, uh, 12, let the heathen be awakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Um, and then the valley of decision and the valley of decision. So it uses that word the valley of four times, right? So this is a literal place upon this earth, wouldn't you say? It's a literal place. Uh, it has many names in the Bible, um, but the day uh, it speaks of the day of the Lord. That gives us an action. That doesn't give us a place. But it's called the Valley of Decision. It's called the Valley of Jehoshaphat. It's called uh, the Valley uh, or the Plain of Jezreel. It's called, but the most, the most, most prominent name. No, you might not have ever heard the Plain of Jezreel. You might not have ever heard uh, the Valley of Decision or the Valley of Jehoshaphat. But you have heard this. It's called Armageddon. Armageddon. That word actually means the mound of Megiddo. The mound of Megiddo. And in that place it will be a horrific scene of events. And matter of fact, many horrific things have actually happened there throughout all of the Bible. Uh, I mean, a few biblical things is this. The death of Josiah in 2 Chronicles chapter 35, Josiah died in the valley of Megiddo. And um, we find in uh, 1 Kings chapter number 9 or, or 2 Kings chapter number 9 uh, um, that uh, the wicked queen uh, Hillary, I mean, I mean Jezebel, died in the valley of Megiddo. It died in the valley of Megiddo and the, the death of Saul and the death of Jonathan was in the valley uh, of Megiddo in 1 Samuel chapter 31. Uh, um, the death of many Canaanites under Gideon uh, was in the valley of Megiddo uh, in Judges 4 and 5. Uh, um, the, 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 the many deaths of the Midianites uh, according to Judges 8 and 9 was in the valley of Megiddo under Barak and Deborah. And so there's many things that happen there uh, in the valley of Megiddo. Uh, um, 1 Kings chapter number 9, uh, the Bible the Bible tells us that Solomon is there uh, and Solomon uh, um, takes control of all of uh, the plains of the land, all the earth. He takes control of that place. Uh, he takes control of the commerce of all of the world, uh, all the commercial traffic, uh, all of the, the military uh, style, um, uh, of all of those things because he took first the valley of Megiddo. Because you couldn't get from Jerusalem to Israel without going through the valley of Megiddo. You couldn't get from Jerusalem, excuse me, to um, Mesophilia without going through. That was the commerce 
That was the, the travel. That was the traverse. Uh, that was exactly how it goes. Uh, you had to go through that valley. You had to go through that valley. If you were going to deliver mail over there, the mailman had to go through that valley. Right? And so everybody understand that. It was, this was literally the central place of all of the world. And, and a tra- all of the world. I say all of the world in that time. They, they, America was not America, right? Uh, and so, so uh, it was so to travel to and from. That's what it was. It, it was literally the center of all of the travel and everything. However... Now, now that's not the case. You agree with me there? You look up the valley of Megiddo, you know what we're going to see? Sand. You know what you're not going to see? Hotels. You know what you're not going to see? You're not going to see a bunch of horse pastures. You're not going to see a bunch of anything. You're not going to see a town. You're not going to see anything in the valley. You know why? Because there's nothing there. There's nothing in the valley of Megiddo. You might find a stray sheep every once in a while, but there's nothing in the valley of Megiddo. Now I'm getting somewhere, so you just hang tight, everybody all right? And so 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 there's nothing there now. Then it was the traveling agent of the world. And many have heard of this place, but in Joel chapter number three and verse three, the Bible says that he would gather all nations to this place. In verse 12, it said all the heathen would be in this place. In verse 14, it says that multitudes two times. So that tells us there's going to be a lot of people in this place where there are no people. Now, so since nothing is there, my question is how is the Lord going to get everybody there? Don't answer that. But how, how's the Lord going to get everybody in the valley of Megiddo? I know the Lord can do whatever He wants to do, don't you believe? But I'm getting somewhere. We're breaking this down. Ezekiel chapter 38. I've preached for 40 minutes almost. Ezekiel chapter 38 tells us that God will put hooks in their mouth to draw them to the valley of Megiddo. He'll draw people to that valley. And, and it, it speaks of the Lord uh, putting the hooks in their jaws and doing that. And this is the best spot for war. Is what this is. It's the best spot for war. Was it not just a place of war in the Bible? All throughout history's fights. You can look this up. Fights have been fought throughout history in the valley of Megiddo. You can read there the battle of Aon Jalet was fought there in the valley of Megiddo in A.D. 1260. Napoleon Bonaparte fought and destroyed the Ottomans in 1799 in the valley of Megiddo. Um, some of the Turks and the Germans fought in World War I in the valley of Megiddo. And it has said that it has been said that over two hundred battles have been fought in the valley of Megiddo. You know what I'd call that place? The place of blood. And it's certainly a place of bloodshed. But why would people want to go there now? There's nothing there. That's my question. Well, here's why. Luke chapter 21, verse 20. The Bible says, And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed about with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. You say, preacher, what does that mean? Thereafter, Israel. They're after Israel. And they will come all come against Israel. The Bible says, uh, For behold, in those days and in that time when I shall bring against the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations with the hook, right? And will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. 
and will plead with them there. Why? For my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. I'm telling you something. This place... And people will come to this place, multitudes upon multitudes. Uh, This place has seen war, but it's never seen war like this war. Uh, 1,600 furlongs, the Bible tells us, uh, will be filled with blood to the horses' bridles. uh, And uh, one furlong is 660 feet, uh, um, 220 yards, uh, over two football fields. uh, It's one furlong. Uh, and so 1,600 would equal to 1,056,000 feet. 1,056,000 feet, uh, 352,000 yards, and 3,520 football fields, four foot high, will be filled with blood. That's reality. You believe the Bible you got to believe that. 1,600 furlongs, 200 miles long. I mean, from here all the way to LaGrange, Georgia, which is 50 miles on the other side of Atlanta, will be filled with blood four foot high. Think about that. 200 miles. You know how long it would take us to drive that? Four, four and a half hours, roughly. 200 miles, and that's flying. That's if you don't get stuck in Atlanta traffic. Hey, man, I'm talking about, I'm talking about 50 miles past Atlanta will be covered with blood four foot high. I don't know how wide the Bible didn't say. I tried to find it. But all I'm telling you, friend, is that that's what's going to happen. That's war. And it's all because God loves His people. They're the apple of his eye. And I'm telling you something, that also tells us how many will be killed. There's, a, there's, there's less, I can't remember the exact number, but I think there's less, what, less than two full liters of blood in the human body. Is that right? Or is it three? Less than three. Might be just less than, we'll say less than five, just for safe, okay? Less, okay, well, so less than five liters of blood is in one human body. Now, I don't know how we could equal that up, but there's a lot of people going to be dying. There's a lot of people going to be dying, and that's amazing to me. It's called the valley. I told you I was bringing this to a point. It's called the valley of Jehoshaphat. Maybe because Jehoshaphat fought in this valley in in, in 2 Chronicles. But... It's also called the Valley of Decision by Joel. And by the time the armies are in the Valley of Megiddo, their decisions will have already been made. And at that point, people have made the decision to reject Christ. They have made the decision to hate and try to destroy Israel, God's people. And when they do, they will be met with the wrath of an almighty God. And I'm telling you something, friend. I read a quote from Napoleon where he said this. He said, all the armies of the world could manipulate Maneuver their forces on this vast plain. This place is a natural battlefield. That's what he said. And I'm telling you something, it certainly is. Because this is a place of reaping. And God will be reaping his out. And reaping those. And they'll be sent to hell. Without God. Because of their rejection of the one who showed them mercy this far. I'm telling you something, friends. They, 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 they'll be those who don't like to fly in that time. They, they say, I hate flying. How many people's ever met anybody that hates flying? Uh, yeah, you're one of them. I've heard people who say, man, I hate flying. I hate flying. I'll never do it. But can I just tell you something? If they're lost, they'll have the sudden urge to get to the Valley of Megiddo. Because a hook will have got their jaw. 
some of your family in America will have the urge to go to Megiddo and they'll be stomped with the fierceness of the wrath of God. What you going to do about it? What you going to do about it? I'm telling you something, friend. Many, many, many want Israel dead today. I mean, practically, people are surrounding Israel today. How soon could it be for the Lord to return? Some of our family will one day have the hook in their jaw. And they'll be standing in the midst of the valley of Megiddo. And they won't even know why they hate. Won't even know why they hate Israel. They won't even know why they hate them. But they will be there to fight against the one who's going to tear them down. And I'm telling you something, friend. We better make our decision now. Better make our decision now because Armageddon is in view. It's in view. And it's in view very soon. Thousands of years ago in Egypt, God saved his people by the blood of a lamb. Right? They killed that lamb. They placed its blood on the doorpost of the house, the lintel of the house. And they went in and what they did... They were saved, they were safe, and they were secure in that place because of what they did. They were under the blood. Amen. And when the death angel passed by that night, it passed over them. Because of the blood, it passed by them. They were spared because they were under the blood. I'm thankful I'm spared because I'm under the blood. Amen. I'm thankful to be under the blood this morning, this evening. Amen. I know some of my family ain't under the blood. And one day, they're going to have to make their decision now before they find their place in the valley of decision. Because Armageddon is coming. Armageddon is in view. Do you need to come to the altar tonight and pray? call out to God about some family member that you may have on your heart I really think really think it's simple but man it's profound to understand that because there's a day coming and everybody's turning against Israel now Lord help us to pray for Israel could you stand to your feet if you need to come to the altar you come dear God in heaven I love you ask you, dear God, in the name of Jesus, to please be with each individual here. Lord, uh, as, as the piano begins to play, Lord, I, I, I'm thankful, God, that you have given us the opportunity, Lord, to call out uh, to your name once again, God, uh, over our family members, over the lost loved ones, over the lost family, over the lost, Lord, the lost people that's in this world, God. Lord, what a slew of them there is. Lord, help us to be a light in the darkness of this world. God, help us, Lord, to make the decisions to serve you today. Lord, Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, help us to make that decision now. I love you. Thank you, God, for salvation. The blood of Jesus, Lord, that cleanses us from all sins. Lord, thank God I don't have to go to the valley of Megiddo, but Lord, I pray, Lord, that some of my family would get it right before they do. I love you. Help your people in Jesus' name.